Hello and welcome to the Hit Shuffle Podcast. I'm your host, Matt. And I'm your host, Dave. Episode 5. Episode 5. Alright. I don't have anything else to say. Let's get right into it. What are you listening to these days? Uh, I've been on a Wonder Years kick recently. They've uh, been putting out some new material in the past month or so. That got me listening to that and then going back and listening to their back catalog, which is great and definitely still one of my favorite bands. Anything in particular from the back catalog? Been listening to the Won't Be Pathetic Forever EP a lot, uh, one of the classics. That's a good one. Just all bangers all the way through. Mike Kennedy is a bad friend. Yes, but a great drummer. That's very true, he is. Party starts at 9 p.m. In whichever house is close and vacant We'll call this out friends We've got lots to pretend we've got a life And the boys are slaying shitty fruits But I've been slaying orange juice You know we don't got shit to do I guess we'll say the night Fuck What about you? Where have you been the uh, past week or two? I have been, oh, I've been all over the place. i got two things that have kind of been stuck in my head. Uh, the first one is a little song called To the Hellfire by Lorna Shore. Uh, off there, and I return to nothingness EP from last year, 2021. Uh, just such a brutal song. I was going to say by the by the title. <laughs> yeah, it's the one that has the, the guy turning into a, a boar at the end of it. Oh, yes. Yeah, yes. that one. Yes, you sent me that before. Yes. That's... that's... Intense. And the last <laughs> half of the song, the solo and just the most amazing breakdowns that have come out in the last couple of years, I think. And then in the complete opposite direction, uh, there's a little song called, I'm going to try to say all this without laughing, it's Fa 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 Fa, parentheses, the sad song, brackets, Otis Redding cover. So it is a, <laughs> it is a song by the artist Lou Rawls. Uh, it's a cover of an Otis Redding song. Um, I couldn't find specifically which album it came out on originally because it's been on like six compilations. It's from the time period where you'd put out like six records a year of just like the classics where there's 15 different people doing 15 different songs, but they're all the same song by different people. and Just versions floating around. Nobody knows exactly, exactly where they came so from. So it's either from the 70s, from 1988, or from 2004. Somewhere in there. Yeah, that really narrows it down, doesn't it? Yes. Somewhere in the last 50 years. Specific. Sad songs is all I know. There's a sweet melody brings to mind. Anybody can sing it any old time. Capture your heart, put you in a groove. And when you sing this song, it'll make your whole body move now. Well, 
Well, that sounds like quite a variety you've been uh, playing over there. Yeah, and like usual, we're going to add that to the Hit Shuffle podcast playlist on Spotify. Uh, that way you can get in there and <laughs> learn about one of the longest song titles I've seen in a long time. As well as uh, not even pig squeals, but boar squeals. Boar squeals. Matt, you're up first this week. Let's get your roll and see what you get. All right, let's find out. That is a seven. Seven. A day in the life from Handsome Boy Modeling School. Yeah, we gave him a job making 300 a week, but he slipped on my piece. Now he's back in the streets. How many times have you let your tongue go slip from the grin in your teeth and the cracks of your lips? I never heard such nerve before, but your venom spills slowly through the cracks of my paws. Just to please you. All right, so that was A Day in the Life from Handsome Boy Modeling School off their 2004 album, White People. One of my favorite hip-hop albums, I It think. is so good. Uh, it's, a, it's not a short song. It's five minutes and 37 seconds long, but there's a lot happening. Yes, most definitely. Now, Handsome Boy Modeling School, that is Dan the Automator and Prince Paul. Uh, I mean, they've been doing this for quite some time. Uh, I believe it was the late 90s when they started. And they consider themselves a conceptual hip-hop duo who parodies upper-class society, like supermodels and things like that. And uh, it's quite different in the sense that there's almost as much focus on the skit material as there is the actual songs. Yeah, and I'm not huge on skits in albums, especially with like hip-hop and rap albums. Sometimes they're just... Too much. Unless it's E-40, and that's just perfect. It is what it is, man. It is I say it's me. E motherfucking 40 water Bella Fonte, man. The best thing since the triple beam, pimp. Popcorn, pimp, spit them LRPs. It's confirmed like a Don King perm. And whatever it is, I'm selling it. Whether it's peels to a dolphin or peanuts to an elephant. Bidiots! But this. The skits they have on this album are just absolutely hilarious. Uh, from the good hygiene at the end of this one to the dating game ones that they have on here to the intro and the outro to the album itself. It's just, they do it right, because they got the right people to do it. Exactly. I mean, you're bringing in, you know, proper people. Uh, a lot of the skits are done by Tim Meadows. Tim fucking Meadows. Who's, you know, world-famous comedian, worked on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. And, and it's just one of the funniest people out there. And and it's it's well done. You know, it's done around the concept, and it's not just, like, they all got high in the studio and started talking about stuff like a lot of skits are. <laughs> right. Oh, like, God, remember those old uh, Eminem skits? Oh, yeah. God, they're, they're a little cringy to go back and listen to now. Yeah, that was definitely a, like, at-the-time thing. Yeah. But back to this album. Uh, I mean, uh, for being released in 2004, there are so many features on this album that are just incredible. It's insane. It's all over the place. I mean, just... Even this song, like, you've got RZA, you've got, like, the entirety of the band, the Mars Volta, and you've got AG from Showbiz and AG. Mm -hmm. And Tim Meadows. <laughs> and Tim Meadows with the skit. It's, I mean, just that is an insane lineup of features, but when you look at the rest of the album, I mean, just a little bit, you've got uh, Mike Patton, Del the Funky Homo Sapien, Linkin Park. Uh, Pharrell, John Oates. Like, it's, yeah. It's everywhere. Cat Power. Jack Johnson. Yeah, it's they got so many people to do this, and 
it's I don't know how if they do end up putting out a new album ever, I don't know how they're going to top the the collaborators that they got on this album. I mean, it I don't think they can do it. It would be incredible and I think it would be an absolute masterpiece of an album if they managed to put together an even better lineup than this. Yeah, I mean, and they took a break shortly after this album came out. They took a break in 2006 uh, due to what they say was, quote, business conflicts, which is more than likely just something in a contract where money wasn't being put where it was supposed to be. As always. As always. But they came back together in 2018 uh, to play a concert in NYC. Uh, And then shortly after that, again, uh, in April of 2022 of this year, at the time of recording this, uh, Dan the Automator announced that there is an album in the works scheduled to be released in the fall of 2022. Uh, but as we sit here today, there's still no more information. All I can find is that article saying, yeah, he said that there's going to be an album this year. Now, I mean, at least he did mention some kind of at least concrete release window. Can, uh, but since they were at least rumored to be working on this since 2018, I wouldn't necessarily believe that it's going to come out this year for a fact. Right. I mean, having a release window is good because at least gives us hope that there's something somewhere that they've been working on. I still don't know how they're going to top this album. I mean, especially if there's a lot of features, which I would assume so because that's how they've worked in the past. That might be, you know, hard to schedule everybody they want to schedule. Right. That's kind of their thing is, is bringing on, uh, different uh, artists it'll be it'd be crazy to see if and when the album does come out uh since there's such a difference since this album white people was the last album they put out and that was 2004 so it's it'll be 18 or more years and between albums yeah a lot has changed as long as you get rizza back you gotta yeah you, you and tim meadows if tim meadows is on there doesn't matter that means the album's gonna be great Well, let's get into this song specifically for a little bit, Uh, A Day in the Life. And to get right into it is one of the best opening lines uh, in a rap song that I've heard in a long time. Now I'm going to edit this slightly, uh, but it is RZA opening saying, Ayo, slippity slurp, slip, churned off of two snips. Wow, I can't even say it. (laughs) Ayo, slippity slurp, slip, churned off two sniffs of cocaine. Chirped. Chirped. (laughs) <laughs> oh, it auto-corrected itself. <laughs> I'm not even going to try that again. Ayo, slippery slurp. <laughs> <laughs> well, since I can barely say it, how about you give it a shot? Ayo, slippery slurp, slip, chirped off two sniffs of cocaine. And it said by RZA, so there's a... I don't know how to... Exactly. It's not an accent, but it's uh, it's delivered a very specific way that only he can do it. Nobody else sounds like RZA. No. Hey yo, slippery slip, slip, nigga choked off two sniffs of cocaine. This motherfucker broke the glass of my whip, trying to dip on this twenty dollar bill I had on my dashboard. If police is asking me, son, why I whip his ass for? Saved out two hours of paperwork. My neighbor. And I mean, just going through. The lyrics of the song itself. I mean, it really is this them talking about a day in the life. What they did, what they dealt with, the people that are around them. It's pretty straightforward. Well, as straightforward as a song with RZA can be. 
Now, the music of the song itself is based on a drum sample from the song Witches Brew by the band Plant and Sea, which is not a band I'd ever heard of before. No. It's apparently a very short-lived swamp psych band uh, that was led by a Native American singer-songwriter named Willie French Lowry. That just sounds awesome. So they sampled the drums from that, and then they had the Mars Volta create their own instrumentation over the top. And it's just a loop. Now, it is a, it's a loop for the whole track, but the, the melody of the chorus put in between these rap verses uh, really does break it up. And even though it is the same thing, it makes it sound different. Yeah, it's, it, you get a dynamic shift even though the underlying beat and music don't change at all. Just going from the rap verses to Cedric singing in his own style in the chorus is quite a difference. Your tongue goes slip from the grin in your teeth and the cracks of your lips. I never heard such nerve before, but your venom spills slowly through the cracks of my paws just to please you, honey. Just to please you, honey. Yeah. No, the one thing, though, is Handsome Boy Modeling School has always had really great beats, loops, samples. Um throughout this album throughout the so how's your girl album yeah i mean yeah they go real deep with the samples yeah i've I've looked up some other samples from some of their other songs and i mean it's really obscure old music that they're sampling and they also uh, work with a lot of rock instrumentation along with the sampling and the hip-hop beats right i mean there's a whole song kind of dedicated to that on this album yes the uh the rock and roll could never hip hop like this. Featuring the late Chester Bennington and uh, Mike of Lincoln Park. Yeah, that's a good song too. Very good song. And Tim Meadows <laughs> is on that one as well. He has his own skit at the end of that one too. Now, speaking of Tim Meadows, we would be remiss to talk about the song without talking about that skit because it's it's just <laughs> uh, it's Tim motherfucking Meadows. That's I, that's actually what I wrote down in my notes. Tim motherfucking Meadows. It's, I think this is one of the best skits on the entire album. Absolutely. In, in the character, uh, talking about learning good hygiene at the Handsome Boy Modeling School. That's right. Uh, learning, among other things, uh, not to fart in front of a lady. Yeah. And how to wash his penis. How to wash his penis. Which uh, other modeling schools do not teach. They don't. Apparently. I, would, I wouldn't know. Uh, neither would I, but I will take his word for it. They taught me, you know, how to how to wash myself in the right way, you know, how to wash my penis. Most modeling schools, they don't teach you that kind of stuff. Now, they also taught him table etiquette, like which fork to use for a salad and, you know, which one to use for soup. They also taught me about table etiquette. What fork do you use for the salad? And, and, and what fork do you use for, um, you know, soup or whatever? And Very important information to be a model. It's just, I don't know if he wrote this or if they wrote this or if it was all off the head, but oh, it's just so good. Uh, the, the, the character and the comedy is absolutely dead on point for what they're trying to do and who they're trying to mock. Yeah, the parody that they're going for between this character and there's an actual model character, another model character, uh, whose name I'm blanking on at the moment, just encapsulates it perfectly. This is very vapid, just very not really connected to the world around them or what's actually happening in the world or how people actually talk and act. Yeah. 
It's uh, how to wash your penis. Which you know, the rest of us, I guess, we don't know these things. We can't go to modeling schools and be handsome boys, so we don't know how to wash our penis. Apparently. Apparently. All right. So that was a day in the life by Handsome Boy Modeling School off their 2004 album White People. Bridgestone Tires just rolled into Midas. And if you roll in, we've got an exclusive deal for you. Get $70 back in Bridgestone rebates plus a $50 reward card with paid installation. Shop Bridgestone Tires at Midas.com. And we're back. All right, Dave, it's your turn. Go ahead and roll that die. 14. Oh, wow. So Long Astoria by the Ataris. The Ataris. Okay, and again, that was So Long Astoria by the Ataris off the album of the same name released in 2003. 2003 was a good time for uh, the style of music. It was. That was a very good era for pop punk, and this is a very classic album from that time, at least to me. I know we were uh, we were just talking that uh, this is a little late on in the Ataris for you. Yeah, I was, uh, I was a little bit before this with the... Uh... Blue Skies, Broken Hearts, Next 12 Exits album. That was kind of my, I'd say that was my high school album. I, I knew that thing front to back. Now, uh, in researching this song, before we get into the actual song itself, I learned a couple things about uh, the band and the album. Namely, that the Ataris have had about a million different people in the band, and none of them stay for very long except Chris Rowe, who's the front man and basically the band. And was the basis for a while. Yes, I've noticed uh, Wikipedia actually has a nice bar chart, a color-coded bar chart to show all the different members of the band. And uh, his bar has somewhere between two and four or five colors on it at various different points over the years that he's uh, done. Now, on this album, he was uh, just lead vocals and rhythm guitar as well as the main songwriter. Which is what he normally is or was. Yeah, for, under for most uh, of the albums. under good circumstances when there was a whole band. Although, <laughs> right, we definitely know a thing or two about not being able to keep a bassist. Exactly, having your rhythm guitarist have to be your bassist as well. Yes, yes, these things have happened to us. This this song is the opening song as well as the title track of this album, but surprisingly not a single. It kind of feels like a single. Should should have um, been a single. Yes. But it was not. Another fun fact that I learned, which I probably should have known, but I didn't, was that uh, the Atari's actual biggest song, the uh, Boys of Summer cover, was never intended to be a single. It was not. I remember hearing about that when it got big, and maybe it was in an interview or something like that, where where Chris said that he never intended for that to be a cover, or never intended to be a cover. (laughs) Jesus, Matt. (laughs) We're... uh. (laughs) He gonna write that thing so well, it was his song. That's right. He gonna real big fish it. Yeah. 
where Chris said he never intended Boys of Summer uh, to be the single, uh, but it was picked up and it just exploded from there. Yeah, interesting thing, which um, a product of its era and I don't think would ever happen in today's world is that a radio station in Los Angeles just started playing it. I guess they had the album and they liked it and uh, they started playing it and the band didn't want it to be a single. And then it blew up and it ended up being their biggest song, uh, reached number 20 on the Billboard Hot 100, which for an early 2000s pop punk band is pretty insane. Yeah. And now you hear it in grocery stores everywhere. That's right. And on commercials and in the background of shows and sporting events. Possibly in a future Pat Finnerty video. We can only hope. I mean, I don't want that to happen to the Ataris, but I want that to happen for Pat Finnerty. I mean, that song. But anyway. I am uh, not the biggest fan of that cover, uh, but I'm not I a mean, big fan of that original song it, either. It makes the song better. It does. But when you're working with that to start with, I think you can only go so far. Rather fittingly for this being both the title track and opening track of the album, this talks about what Chris wanted to be the central themes of this album, which is uh, memories end up being better than the life at the time, and that your life ends up being only as good as the memories that you make, which you know, those are basically, I think, directly quoted in the song lyrics yeah. themselves. So it's kind of straightforward, but I mean especially for this style of music and then me at this age it it's kind of fitting like looking back at sitting in your room as a teenager and writing songs it definitely uh definitely strikes a chord hits home I, yeah. a little bit it, it it uh it hits a lot different now than it you know did 10 or 15 years ago which is kind of the point of the song <laughs> yeah. is that yeah. the memories from you know 10 20 years ago or what you remember is not the uh, not exactly as good as the fuck was I going to say? <laughs> Whatever you said earlier. Yeah, and I've, you know, I'm at this point in life also too noticing that uh, when I'm thinking back and remembering things and then going, wait, wait a second. At the time, I didn't think this was good at all. Right. And now I'm like, oh, that was good times. But at the time, I was miserable. But Who'd I guess, thought? you know, being a pop punk teenager, you kind of had to be miserable a pop punk teenager in a small state over an hour away from anything that was really good yeah basically just bored yeah but you know when you're 16 and in a band you gotta can't just write a song that's like i'm bored although we did (laughs) that's true which i guess this is as good a point as any to bring up we opened for the ataris once we did sadly enough that is our greatest band accomplishment at least that i was in top marks right there it was at the harmony grange and if you're from this area and from that time period you're gonna cringe a little bit remember in the grange but it was your stereotypical early 2000s pop punk venue it was basically like a different version of an elks lodge it was a vfw with a bigger stage and it was dirty and kind of falling apart but smelled bad that was that was the place to be if you were into pop punk or emo or whatever music that was where they had the shows a lot of people came through too yes uh there were a lot of big bands we saw the wonder years there once we did going back to my uh recently listening to at the beginning 
so anyway back again to the song at hand musically i actually struggled to try to find a specific section of the song to pick out it's good musically but it's it's just such a straightforward classic pop punk song there's no real one part that jumps out compared to the rest of the song for me right as as far as the as far as that goes yeah there's not like oh this bridge was revolutionary but at the same time when you think back and remember atari songs and pop punk songs there are parts of the song individual parts that kind of make up quote atari songs so you have uh like the quiet vocal part that goes into this real powerful melody after that You have your classic open strumming with octaves and lead lines played over it. You know, big drum hits that go into lead lines and just these things that have been pulled from the Ataris and pulled from bands of that era and are still around today that I feel like were not created by them, but really not perfected by them either. But uh, popularized, popularized, maybe yeah. like. Uh, th- kind of went from becoming i guess little tropes to more of defining features of that style of music yes so basically all of the things that i have in my notes for the music of the song which is kind of general about the whole song a lot of the things are now looking back became classic features of pop punk music which a lot of what you talked about you've got you know palm muted or open power chords with octave chords as lead lines over top of them. You've got the, you know, straightforward drums, and then they build up into the chorus and big cl- open choruses. Yeah, and, clean yeah. guitar in the verse that's slower, and then transitions into big chorus, distorted chorus. It's everything that makes early two thousands pop punk that. But at the time, it was not in all of the music that was coming out. Yeah, this was what people looked to emulate at the time. It was, this was the top of it. This wasn't the standard. It was the higher level of it. Yeah, because, I mean, you figure 2003, you're starting to get into the real prime era of this kind of music, but this album still stands out as, at the time, one of the best ones and still one of the best ones. And if you compare it to albums that came out around that time, it's a lot more polished, a lot more well-written and well-played. Right, and but on top of that, I think another thing that helps it stand out is Chris Rowe's vocals. Absolutely. There's no one else that sang or sings like him in pop punk uh, with the different ranges that he has, with the different approaches that he has to how he sings, the softer stuff into the louder stuff, into he just has a very distinct voice. Yeah, and it all sounds good. You know, you have the very quiet soft vocals in the verse that are more you know him kind of melancholy and reminiscing about writing songs in his room but then when he really digs into it going in the transition parts and into the chorus and he gets that rasp in his voice all of a sudden really conveys the shift in emotion that a lot of people don't have such a drastic change in their voice when they ramp it up right his his vocal melodies are able to do what 
guitars and drums would normally do where he can ramp up a melody just with his voice instead of relying on the instruments to do it. Yeah, and a lot, you can even notice it in this song as well as other songs that even the lead guitar parts are not nearly as in the forefront as most other bands. Yeah. They're there, but they're almost kind of at the same level and point as the rhythm guitar and the vocal really carries the main melodic and dynamic lead of the song the the instruments are meant to be just that they're the instruments they're they're accompanying the the singer which i think ties into not being able to pick out a specific section of the song to focus on because it the song's more about the lyrics and the way that the vocals convey the emotion and the music is just there to be a solid frame to it but not to steal the attention away exactly speaking of guitars though and back to chris rowe did you know he plays his guitar backwards uh i did vaguely but i've kind of forgotten yeah he he strings it in reverse essentially and plays it that way so even though if he's a i don't remember he's a right or left hand guitarist but it's like the Jimi hendrix method but played in his proper hand right. style so not like, not doing it to not play switched but switch handed just backwards just backwards right yeah which you know, great musicians tend to have weird quirks like that. That's very true. A couple other little notes I have here. Um, pretty relatable from being in the band life, although obviously not to that degree. They originally started tracking demos for this album at their drummer's house, but then after they, quote, never got anything done, they had to move to a studio to retract the demos to actually make progress and get them finished. That is... All too familiar. Hanging out at your drummer's house and not actually getting anything done is pretty much the story of us being in bands. Exactly. We had five to six hour long band practices and never... Maybe an hour of music playing (laughs) in that. Wawa trips and riding around in the van and freestyling and uh, the good days. Which ties into the theme of this song and this album, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, exactly what we do a lot now look back on being teenagers and being in a band (sighs) i miss it me too we're the old guys now i was the old guy then that's true you you were kind of always old maybe not in number but in attitude and joint status (laughs) (laughs) that is true So again, my song was So Long Astoria by the Ataris off of the album So Long Astoria, released in 2003. All right, I got to say, solid episode. Um, Two very good songs. Uh, Two very different songs. Yes, very good songs, very different songs. Uh, Both fun to talk about. Uh, I learned things about both bands doing this research that i did not know before um, yeah and just good songs to listen to and what's what's also crazy if you really think about what we did the two songs we have are actually from the almost same, the same time, time. Frame. they're almost the exact same year uh, and they're completely different one has tim meadows although i think the atari's album could be improved if it also had tim meadows everything can be improved if it has tim meadows and what more can you really say than that Speaking of, my song was A Day in the Life from Handsome Boy Modeling School off their White People album 
2004. And once again, my song was So Long Astoria by the Ataris off the album So Long Astoria, released in 2003. And both of these songs will be added, along with the songs from the beginning of the episode, to the Hit Shuffle playlist that you can find on Spotify. You can find us on pretty much all social medias. Uh, our handles for Twitter and Instagram are at hit underscore shuffle. Uh, we also have a Facebook page and a website, uh, hitshufflepodcast.com. We still have one last thing to do. we got to roll the die one more time. That is true, to give the listeners their homework. That's an 18. 18, big rolls. You're going to dive deep into your playlist this time. So uh, go ahead and shuffle in 18 times and post on Twitter. Let us know what song you got and a little bit about it. And uh, if we get any good songs that we really like, we might even mention them on the next episode. <sighs> Maybe. So again, I'm your host, Matt. And I am your host, Dave. This is the Hit Shuffle Podcast. <laughs> the Hit Shuffle Podcast. Wu-Tang, Invincible Blade, Thwack the Paley.